0: Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you.
1: Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. Now, before we go any further into today's episode, a lot of you have been writing in and asking about the life story of my cohort here, Bebop, Robomogo, Quanatron. The third. Definitely not the third. You are the only one. How do you know? Well, I guess I don't, and that's what a lot of listeners want to know. They want to know more about you, what you look like. I am beautiful in every single way. (laughs) Okay, it's good you have that sort of self-confidence, Bebop. But as I said before, I started doing this podcast, and then all of a sudden, poof, there you were. A dream come true for you. Sure, a dream come true for me, but what a lot of people want to know is, where did you come from? It's complicated. No. It's not. It's actually really a simple question. But where does anybody come from, really? Wherever they were born or grew up. But what does growing up mean, really? Well, it just means being a kid, being young, and... But nobody knows where they really grew up. Oh, sure they do. I grew up in a town called Beverly, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. Yeah, but what is a Massachusetts, really? Okay, I can see you don't want to talk about your past. That's okay. Everyone is entitled to their privacy. What is everyone, really? All right, now you're being a little silly. Let's get on with the show. And maybe if our listeners, since they're being so kind as to feed you with all the great art that they're sending, maybe they could ask you a couple of questions and we could put together a little Bebop Q&A. How does that sound? What is sound, really? (laughs) All right. So a few of you have written in with questions for Bebop. And you've made some amazing drawings of him and for him, too. And if you have anything you'd like to know about him specifically, you know, it could be his favorite color, his favorite book who he thinks is going to win the World Series, you can write to bebop at fincaspian.com, and he'll get it, and maybe we can put together a little get to know Bebop episode. Does that sound good? What a sound, really. Yeah, you already said that, Bebop. Okay, let's get on to the story. If you remember from the last one, there was a major shakeup aboard the Marlow, a new robot, Voltronic Zoo. The first, without a book for a brain, was introduced, and he and Foggy didn't get along so well. And Finn discovered that the aliens aboard the Marlowe were actually two old acquaintances, Olivia and Olivia, and instead of being adorable, inquisitive twins, they were giant, dragon like monsters. And that's where we leave things off on today's show, Episode 9. You call this a planet? decision to make. Tell his mother that Olivia and Olivia were giant lizard aliens from planet Klupar or whatever they said, or trust them when they said they were here to help. And really, why couldn't he do both? Why couldn't he tell his mother about the twins and allow them to peacefully coexist on the Marlow? They had so far. Of all the arguments the twins made to him that night in the library, when they had revealed themselves as extraterrestrials, that had actually been the most persuasive to him. If they wanted to attack the Marlowe, why wouldn't they have done it before? If they wanted to hurt Finn, why weren't they doing it right then in the library? Or why didn't they attack the whole explorer's troop when they had seen them in the tailor shop? We could have come up behind you and vaporized you and turned you into little piles of dust, they said. Finn didn't like where this conversation was going. You know, if you really want to help me, maybe don't talk about stuff like that, he said. Oh, But we would have made sure you were an adorable pile of dust, Finn. You would have looked so cute in our jarred collection of vanquished and vaporized foes. There was a long silence. We really are here to help you, even if we seem a little scary to you right now. Finn shrugged. Honestly, you guys kind of scare me all the time. Oh, laugh, laugh, chuckle, chuckle. You You are are too funny. funny. Okay, if I tell my mom, she's going to freak out, and I believe you when you say you're here to help. But I do have one question. Why do you laugh like that? Oh, Is that not how you humans express merriment? Said Olivia I read about it in this book about becoming human She held up Pinocchio Well, we don't actually say laugh, chuckle, laugh Said Finn What does it sound like when you express merriment? Whoa, okay, okay, yeah, no Just go with guffaw, chuckle, laugh, laugh Eventually they struck a deal Finn would hold off on reporting the twins to the parents for now, and allow the twins to plead their case to the rest of Explorers Troop 301. He wasn't sure if even that was a good idea, the way he would left it with the rest of the troop in the robot room, Abigail, Elias, and Vale all fawning over Voltronic Zoo. First Finn went to go find Foggy, to apologize and explain to him what had happened, but it turned out to be much more difficult to find his robot than he'd expected. Foggy wasn't in Finn's compartment charging, and he wasn't in any of his usual haunts, like the engine room or the map room. Finn asked a number of the other robots, including the exuberant Sir Lancebot, the sly Longbot Silver, and the Mopey Terabithiatron. Finally, he found Foggy in the mess hall, sitting with the proto He could hear Foggy confiding. And then he says, you're my favorite, like I'm some sort of toy. It was the best of times, it was the worst of Romeo. Foggy? Finn said, approaching. What do you want? Listen, I know that Voltronics guy hurt your feelings, and I guess I did too. But honestly, it was just a mistake. The night before my birthday, I had snuck down to try to see what my robot was going to be, and I saw him. And I got excited at first because he's so awesome looking with the wings and the chrome. And not really helping here. Sorry. But the point is that it turns out that everything I was imagining he was, this heroic and brave and loyal and cunning robot, that's what you actually are. I don't need some pretend robot. I need my real friend. Foggy stood up and turned to Finn. I am pretty cunning, aren't I? He stuck out his hand to shake Finn's. Well, said Finn, I was going to say humble too, but I guess we can scratch that off the list. Farewell, Proto. Thanks for the chat. Hey, Foggy, Finn said as they walked out. There's some garbage on the floor over there, just in case you wanted to collect. Finn couldn't finish the sentence. Foggy had already picked him up, turned him upside down, and flown him out of the mess hall. Two days later, Finn's mother assembled the explorer's troop in the explorer's pod bay. She told them, Now, I know your missions have been difficult so far, and you've encountered some unusual circumstances in your travels. Then again... Life around here has been unusual lately as well, but I'm sorry to say you're going to be given a break from all of that now. You're going to get a sense of what true planet exploration is like 99 times out of 100. Finn's mother picked up a large black bag from the floor, unzipping it for the team. I know you've been having a lot of fun on your adventures, but these trips are supposed to be about science, which is fun too. Science is just fun that you can measure. Speaking of which, in this bag are your data collection tools. We know there's no intelligent life down there on that planet. We've scanned it, we've mapped it, at least a dozen times, and there's been no movement, no energy signals, nothing coming from down there at all. The explorers all said goodbye to their parents. Wait, said Vale as they entered the explorer's pod, do giant black blobs that are trying to envelop you in slime, do they count as intelligent life? Because we didn't see that one coming either. The troop dragged the bag into the pod and Abigail set the launch sequence. On a normal trip, an explorer's pod was, to put it mildly, cozy. All four explorers and Foggy now knew how to bend and shift their bodies so they could cram in somewhat comfortably. But add in the bulk of Voltronic Zoo and their bag of instruments, and the explorer's pod was like an Easter egg stuffed with a mid-sized mountain. If he's supposed to be the battle bot and this is supposed to be the battle-free mission... I don't see why he should be on this trip. I'm sorry, little one. Were you talking? I could barely hear you over the soothing hum of all of my upgraded and superior components. Foggy shifted. Your foot is pressing into my hard drive. And I believe that is your elbow jabbing my motherboard. Stop it, the both of you, said Abigail, or I'll turn this explorer's pod around right now. The trip to planet Saffrite was a long one, and Finn was putting off talking to his friends about the twins, but Elias could tell that something was bugging him. "'What's going on with you, Finn? You've barely said a word.'" "'Okay,' said Finn. "'There is something I have to tell you, but you guys, you can't be mad at me.'" "'Oh, yes we can,' said Vale. "'I reserve the right to be very mad about whatever you're about to say to us right now.'" "'Fair enough,' said Finn. "'Okay.'" Here goes. The other day, after we met Voltronics, I discovered who the aliens on the ship were. What? Said Abigail. Why didn't you tell us? Because, said Finn. I don't know. It's weird. They're scary, but we also kind of know them, and they said they were actually here to help us. So I just wanted to keep it a secret from the adults for a little longer so they could come with us on this mission. "'Whoa, whoa, whoa,' said Elias. "'They're here, on the pod, right now? "'And what do you mean we kind of know them? "'What are you talking about, Finn?' "'Finn shook his head and pointed out the window. "'Just then, the team heard a faint tapping on the windshield glass. "'They looked up and saw giant orange and green dragon monsters "'flying alongside the pod. "'Grand salutations!' "'Sweet fancy Oreos!' yelled Voltronics, ducking behind Foggy. "'Okay, someone has been hanging out with Vale a little too much,' said Abigail." She turned back to Finn. Wait, those are the aliens? Those giant lizard things? Those are the ones you said we could trust? Those are the ones you said that were going to help us? Those are the ones you thought were perfectly safe on the Marlow? Those are the ones you weren't going to tell us about? Wait, did they just say what I think they said? Yes, they did, said Finn. No way, said Elias. Yep, said Finn. You gotta be kidding me, said Valet. Nope. Said Finn. "'It's really them,' said Foggy. "'It really is,' said Finn. "'I totally know what you guys are talking about, and I am equally astonished,' said Voltronics. "'May we we come come in?" in?' "'Well,' said Finn, "'there's not really that much room.'" The twins were already inside, their clawed feet clinging to the ceiling, their heads dangling upside down right in front of the explorer's faces. A. Livia's wet snout brushed up against Vale's nose, "'Ah, dude, this is kind of gross,' he said, pressing his head back into his chair. On the long flight to the planet, the twins told the explorers that they had boarded the Marlow 18 Earth months before, with the hope of being able to tag along on missions like these. Two years ago, their planet had been attacked by another race of aliens, and most of the creatures who lived on their planet had been captured or kidnapped and brought back to another planet. Our parents parents were were able to to rocket rocket us off of our planet, planet, away from from danger. danger.' They said, But But we believe believe it is our duty to to find find the planet planet where they are being kept and and free them, them, along with all of our other compatriots. compatriots. I get it, said Abigail. The easiest way to find what planet they were on was to hop on the nearest interplanetary exploratory space station. Indubitably. So wait a second, said Elias. But what about your parents? You said your parents were captured. But I've met your parents. They're over there on the space station. I saw them checking one of the computers down in the engine room just this morning. Oh, jellygrams. They're like holograms that you project, but they're made out of a synthetic jelly, so they appear real. Should we invite them in? No, 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 said Vale. There is no room for any jelly parents. What? was that, said Elias. Don't ask, said Finn. Though Finn's mother had told them they should sleep on their way to planet Sapphire to make the time pass, it was impossible to nap when there were giant lizard faces hanging upside down in front of your own face. And though nobody said it, the twins' breath smelled really bad. Somewhere between Swamp Frog and Volcano Demon. When the pod finally touched down, they all pushed and pulled to be the first out planet was silent. The ground beneath their feet was a mottled pink and purple, dark to their eyes in the morning sun, and somewhat springy under their step. Gravity was much lighter too, though not so much that anyone would go drifting off, but light enough that each step felt like the start of flight, and it took some getting used to. Over the right side of the pod, there was a long mountain range. Dark purple peaks that extended across the horizon for as long as the troop could see. It was beautiful even more majestic than the untrodden jungles of the Patience Planet, or the lush field bobs of Planet Bob. The troop walked for a long time, pulling out various measuring devices to get readings of radiation, of oxygen concentration, of nitrogen levels. Vale held up a ball with a wobbly antenna, searching for water. The antenna twirled and curled and straightened like a cat's tail, and no one, not even foggy, Knew what that meant. I do have to say this is a beautiful place that we have traveled to, said Foggy. I'm glad we're here. Voltronic Zoo was less impressed. I have to say this is boring. Why are you all so happy to be staring at your little devices and not getting into any action? We've had enough action, said Elias. We learned nothing about the last two planets we were on, except that we never want to go back to them again. The troop passed through a meadow, tall with a sort of thick and twining reed. It's so weird that there are no bugs or animals or life here at all, with all this vegetation, said Finn. Oh, that's, oh, that's not vegetation, vegetation, said the twins.
0: That, that is hair.
1: And the two flew up over the grass to peer into the distance. Hair? said Abigail. I think it must be something lost in translation, said Finn. Voltronic Zoo was growing more and more impatient. Oh, come on. You call yourselves explorers? And this is all you do? You just walk around and look at things and take notes and measure things with devices and... and... explore? Abigail and Elias rolled their eyes. Even Vale seemed to grow tired of Voltronics' complaining. If you're so bored, why don't you try helping? Said Foggy. Grab a tool and see if you can figure out how to use it. I'd like to see that. I'll tell you what, how about I use this? Voltronics retracted his right hand and brought out a drill with a sharp edge. Voltronix started spinning his drill and slashing at the tall grass. What "What is is the brainless brainless robot robot doing? said the twins as they swooped down. This is not a good idea. Let's just say I'm taking a sample for the scientists back on the station, said Voltronix, laughing to himself, clearly having way too much fun being destructive. Voltronix, we don't do that, said Finn, as part of the Explorer's Code to respect the planets we're on. Oh, come on. How about a soil sample? He lowered his drill to the purple dirt below his feet. This is a a most unsavory idea. Don't do it, Voltronics, said Vale. But Voltronics was already digging into the ground, a kind of muddy purple dirt flinging into the air. Grab a sample. No one here will miss... Um, what was that, said Abigail. The troop all looked at each other, and even Voltronics looked surprised. We, we informed you this was not an optimal decision. Let's see if it happens again. And Voltronics buzzed his drill into another spot. No. Voltronics, you need to stop that right now," said Abigail. In, In all probability, it is too late to be managing over this great error. What are you saying?" said Finn. We, we are saying run. The troop looked up. And what looked like a giant purple club was rising over a hill. The tip was covered in what looked like the same tall grass Voltronics had been cutting. What is that? Said Vale. That is Saphrite's tail. Marlowe, Explorer, Explorer friends should be running now. Finn, Abigail, Elias, and Vale followed the flying twins away from the swinging tail. Foggy ran up behind them and picked up Finn and Vale, who were running side by side. Voltronics grabbed the other two. Voltronics was running slowly, cycling his hand out of the drill attachment and running like a man who was trying to check his phone and run at the same time. Grab them Voltronics, let's go! They heard a rumbling rising up from the planet like a slow-moving earthquake. That is Sapphire's roaring! Said the twins as they led the team over another hill, both robots now flying, each with two explorers in their hands. They coursed over the hill. The tail came down with a crash, narrowly missing the explorers. The twins dove into a thick grove of weeds so tall, they reached over the explorers' heads. It was much darker in here, and the grass tangled and provided good cover for the team. Okay, said Abigail. You've lived with us for almost two years now. Finn found you out and, even though it was a very bad idea, didn't tell anyone that you were aliens. And we brought you here on our Explorer pod. Now it's your turn. You tell us why. Tell us what's going on here tell us what all this rumbling is about. Oh, you have awakened the planet, of course. The four friends looked at each other. Oh,
0: did Did we not tell you that Sapphire is is a planet planet alien? One giant creature that only only looks looks like a planet because it's so huge.
1: No, said Finn. You definitely did not tell us that. My mom actually said there were no signs of life. Oh, there wouldn't be. When Sapphire is asleep, Part of her protection is that she appears to be a planet. She can hide her vital signs. But your friend, the not very bright robot with a twirling drill, must have awoken her. Wait, I said a lie. If Saffrite is just one big alien, then we must have been running across its, what, skin or its hide? Yes? And those ridges that all of you were previously admiring as mountains were actually the giant spikes along its spine." And the the tail tail that that was swatting at us a few minutes before? Well, actually, that that was just a tail So then, where are we now? Said Elias Is it not obvious? We We are are in the the armpit armpit. Gross, the troops said And they started to move through the thick hair But all that movement was tickling the giant, planet-sized alien And they could hear (laughs) Saffirite beginning to laugh (laughs) You are tickling our enemies This is not a recommended course of action Everyone stood completely still Hold on said Abigail. You said your parents were on this planet. But now we know it's not actually a planet at all, but a giant alien. Does that mean that Saffrite is your parent? Grand chuckles, Abigail. No, of course not. The troop waited for more. Oh, did we not tell you our real parents are being held prisoner here? Mm, sort of, but not really, said Finn. Oh! So we probably did not tell you that the prison is actually in Saffrite's belly and the monster is sworn to protect it with its life, did we?" -"No," said Finn. Oh, -"So then we probably did not tell you that the prison is made out of an indestructible crystal that no one in the universe can break, did we?" -"No," said Finn. Oh, -"So then we probably did not tell you--" -"Okay, no more probably not," said Abigail. -"I think we can all agree we should get back to the Explorer's Pod." Olivia, Olivia, we helped you. We got you here. Now it's time for you to help us get back to the Explorer's Pod and for you to fight your own battle while we go back to our station. Carefully, the troops stepped out of the armpit jungle of Saffrite to assess where they were and get back to the Explorer's Pod as quickly as possible. But a strange thing started happening then. A sun began to rise over the eastern horizon. The planet grew brighter and brighter, the purple ground below them glowing in the light. That's weird, said Elias. The sun is already up over there. Oh, said the twins. So we probably did not tell you that the Eye of sapphire is possessed of glowing infinite vision. And that once you have disturbed it, it will hunt you across the universe until it finds you and gobbles you up. Did we tell you that? No, said Finn. You did not tell us that. Still think it was a good idea not to tell us about them, said Abigail. The Eye of sapphire was now above the horizon, staring at the truth. They could see the beginning of its massive upper jaws rising as well. Silly us, said the twins. I guess now we will all be made into adorable piles of dust. Guffaw, har har, chuckle chuckle, sob. Okay, I am here with my editor and son, Griffin Messenger. Want to say hi, Griff? Hi, hi. Hello. All right, so you have heard the new episode. What did you think of it? It was pretty good. <laughs> okay, still still, that pretty good. And uh, did you have any... Questions about it? Um, what does that alien monster planet thingy even look like? Oh, what does it look like? That's a good question. So, if it's mistaken for a planet, it has to be round, right? Yeah. So, what do you think it might look like? Um, like, um, something with like a bu- that looks like a circle with a bunch of halves in a circle. A bunch of what in the circle? Half of a circle. Oh, a bunch of halves of a circle. Okay, well, here's actually a good idea. Maybe if you and other listeners could draw what you think planet saffrite looks like. That would actually help me a lot, because I have to write the next episode still, and I need to figure out what is this planet gonna look like. So do you think you could do that for me? Yeah. As long as Bebop doesn't find out sooner. So as, long as he doesn't eat it first? Yeah. So that's great. So we'll have some we'll have people send in questions for Bebop and send in drawings of Planet Saffrite. That would be really, really helpful. And speaking of art, we got some really great art. In from listeners, do you want to see it, Griffin? Yeah. Okay, so we have Avia, who's seven years old. She sent this in from Camus, Washington, and she drew a great picture of Bebop with really cool hair. You see that? It's got blue hair. That's pretty awesome. And then we got drawings from Aiden, who is eight years old and lives in Chicago. He drew Foggy. And we got a picture from Caleb who's also eight years old, also in Chicago, and he drew a whole scene from episode seven where we had the Monster Bob, the Two-Headed Bobs, Finn, Foggy, and the Blob. So thank you so much to Avia, Caleb, and Aiden for sending in their work today. All right, so do you want to hear this week's joke? Yes. This alien joke comes from Cameron from Urbana, which is a couple hours south of Chicago here, and here is his joke. What kind of knots do aliens tie? Astronauts. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Astronauts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Cameron. Okay, so that's it, I think. Thanks so much to Cameron for the joke. Thank you for Griffin for asking that great question about what the planet Sapphire might look like, and hopefully people will send in their drawings. Hopefully you'll draw something. Yep, but uh, hopefully you both won't. Eat it before you see it. Yeah, and hopefully Bebop won't eat it before I see it. Oh, you know what I forgot to say? If you want to see the art from Caleb, Aiden, and Navia, go to fincaspian.com, and we'll have that art up probably on Wednesday, so definitely go check that out. All right, thank you so much, Griffin, for listening to the show and giving me the feedback, and can you say goodbye? Bye-bye. Bye. All right, thanks, everybody. again. Thank you all so much for listening and sending in your jokes, your ideas and your Bebop food. Oh man he's acting like it's Top Chef Robot Room in this house these days. Special shout out to Avia in Washington and Aiden and Caleb in Chicago for feeding Bebop this week and thanks to Cameron from Urbana for the joke. Keep that art, keep the jokes, everything coming in to earth at fincaspian.com and remember if you have a question for Bebop, send it to bebop at fincaspian.com he wanted his own email address. He's very private. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a Type Drawer Media production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted oh, this is weird, recently voted the second nicest human in the Western Hemisphere, huh? Sorry, Mark. I wonder who uh, who bumped him off. Anyways, still good work. Congratulations, Mark, on that. The other music that you hear, the art, everything you want to know about is all in the show notes. You can check that out, of course. And thanks again for your jokes, your art, your ideas. Keep them coming, and we'll see you next week. You want to know who the new nicest human in the Western Hemisphere is? Me. Bebop. Robomogo. Wanatron.
0: Search for Six Minutes, start a Season 1, Episode 1, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history. Hey parents and teachers, have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Rez, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free. The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.